check this out on my Fitbit. It's got a cat. Oh, the cat went away. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, nice. So I hadn't charged my Fitbit in like a month and I found my charger. So I charged it. It was like, you have an update. So I was like, cool. So I updated it and it was like new clock phases. And there was an option to put a cat on there. Oh, <laughs> and like, I mean, that's the perfect thing, right? right? I was like, well, now there's a cat on my Fitbit and I am clearly a more interesting person because of that choice in my life. I showed Tara beforehand using shortcuts and voice activation. Like, I'm gonna do it right now again. Tara's not gonna be impressed because you saw it already, but. <laughs> already unimpressed. What? Already unimpressed? Yep. Already unimpressed. Oh, because she knows it. how I did it. Okay. And obviously you're not going to see it, so you won't be impressed either. But iPhone. Oh, I turned off voice activation. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Essentially, if I say Alohomora to my phone, I have to say iPhone on Alohomora, it'll unlock itself. And then if I say Lumos, it'll turn on the flashlight. Knox will turn it off. There's some other little things in there too, so. It's fun. Technology is great. Technology is great. A little scary, but it's great. Yeah, that's right. We don't got robots listening in to us. I mean, we do. I have a Google phone. Hey Google, add five boxes of tampons to my list. My phone doesn't even. Hey Google, it don't listen to me either. Oh my God. See, your robot is stupid. Yeah, true. We were also just talking about the mask Singer. Remember how last season I was like, Oh my god, Tara's in the Masked Singer because there's the taco. I was, was the taco. I was yes. the taco. Yep. On this season, there's the serpent, so I'm on this season. Yes. Because I was always like, I would be a snake, and when I come out, they would play Cold Hearted Snake by Paula Abdul. And guess what? That motherfucker stole my idea because that's exactly what happened. Well, it's, it's you, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> it's totally me. I'm just trying to, you yeah. know, blow you off my scent. Yeah, I don't want, you guys aren't supposed to know that it's Adam. It's totally me. It's the whole point of the show. This is Basic Snitches. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm the serpent. I'm just from last season. I had taco. And today we are reading a book. <laughs> Chapter 12 of Goblet of Fire, the Triwizard Tournament. Mm-hmm. That book. And we're drinking Sambuca now, as I promised. Sambuca. Our Mexican food came... Out of wine glasses. Out of wine glasses, that's right. Because we aren't going to dirty another glass. No. I've already run the dishwasher today. Although, I would hand wash these. Because I'd be scared they would break in the dishwasher. No, these are dishwasher safe they are. wine glasses. I don't have a dishwasher, so I'm no. my own dishwasher. I was too, until I... And now Steve is your dishwasher. Steve's Steve <laughs> dishwasher. Our dishwasher is our dishwasher. This is the episode where we talk about home appliances. Yep. We also have refrigerators. Oh, don't uh, even get me started on refrigerators. Do you have a refrigerator? I also have a toaster that I hate. <laughs> do I have a refrigerator? Yes. Everyone. I've seen your refrigerator. Um, Fridgegate. Fridgegate. Y'all remember Fridgegate, was right? Was a year ago? It was, yeah, it was over a year ago. I don't have a toaster oven, but I wish I had one. We don't have a toaster oven. We have a toaster, oh. but I wish I had a toaster oven. Me too. we hate our toaster. I briefly, quote unquote, dated someone in like sixth grade because it was sixth grade. So it wasn't really dating. It was just saying that you were dating. But there was a rumor going around school that she conjured the devil out of a toaster. You know what? There are all kinds of people in this world, and all of the weird ones live in Northeast Ohio. Ha! <laughs> I mean, I have nothing to say. That's 100% the truth. I mean, there's Florida exists, so I mean... Florida does exist. I try to pretend it doesn't, but yeah, you are correct to yes. bring that up. Anyway, we're doing this book. We're doing this chapter. Yeah, from this book. What happened in the last chapter? Oh, so in the last chapter, you know, we got a winner and a loser going on. So the loser of the chapter is Draco. Cool. For being a douchebag. It's not Ludo Bagman? No. 
I feel like the next time Little Bagman loses, it'll just come as a surprise to you. No, I'm gonna ask. I'm asking for every single chapter <laughs> for the rest of this book, and when it what actually happens, what if he never happens, loses again? I'm gonna be so thrilled. What if he never loses? Again? Then hey, it plays out that way. I support it. All right, all right. Well, the winner of the chapter is Hermione. Ooh. She's given us some some history, some information, some really great facts for us to learn from, and also she's just fucking great. Yeah. Okay. I cool. kind of feel like sometimes I just want to give her a win just for existing. Yeah, totally. I th- I've mentioned this already, but for some reason this book, Ron feels more at the forefront to me. Which is weird, because y'all know I like Hermione, and Ron I think I'm a little hard on. Sometimes Ron is a little hard on, if you know what I mean. Mm. As in he's a dick. But yeah, Ron is is really popping out to me in this book so There's some great Ron stuff in this book. Not necessarily him being great, but just great... Character development. Yeah, great. That's that's what I was going for. But words (laughs) are hard, and Sambuca, and three glasses of wine. Oh yeah. You had three? Mm Mm-hmm. Did I have three? I think you had two, but I had a glass before you got here. Oh. Are you going to read my thing? So Adam sent me a thing. I thought you were going to say no. I mean, I can't make any promises that I'm going to read it well. Oh, well. But I am going to attempt to read, read it. I read your last one badly after two sips, so full steam ahead. It was a real short one, too. Yeah, it was pretty short. It wasn't short like the other one that you wrote, but... It was great. That one was great and clever. Tell yourself what you need to. <laughs> a thing for Tara. Sent... This literally has a date of it of Monday, October 7th, 2019. I know. We always talk about I put it in my OneNote. I just recycle the OneNote page. And so it's always... It's always amusing to me, clearly. Yeah. The students finally make their way up to the castle. It's rainy and windy and cold. And just as they're welcomed in, Dick Peeves starts throwing water balloons. Once they get past him, they make their way to the beautiful Great Hall. We get a recap of how beautiful and welcoming it is. They instantly start looking for who the new Defense Against the Dark Arts professor could be, but don't see anyone new. The first years come in, all of them extremely soaked, and the Sorting Hat sings his annual song explaining what he's about to do. The sorting begins, and the feast begins, much to Ron's delight. As they eat, Nearly Headless Nick tells the trio they almost didn't have a feast because Peeves is such an asshole, causing a ruckus (laughs) in the kitchen with all the house elves. Hermione is in shock to hear that all the food is made and fires are lit by slave labor and refuses to eat for the rest of the evening. Oh, Hermione, you better be careful. I'm sure you don't have stale birthday cakes hidden under your floorboards in the dormitory. Once that ends, Dumbledore has his annual announcements, first announcing that Quidditch ain't happening. Remember when we said it's not important after book three? We got all our Quidditch-ishness out at the Quidditch World Cup, and now Quidditch is dead. Why no Quidditch? Well, it's going to be replaced by... Flash of lightning. A mangled old carved a piece of wood man comes in. He got a spooky eyeball. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that's funny. He got a spooky eyeball. That's what you wrote. I know. It sounds fun. The way you said it was very matter of fact. Well. Like, it's going to be replaced by... And they were just like, flash lightning, no pause or anything for dramatic effect. This this motherfucker comes in, he got a spooky eyeball. I'm not sure what else you expected from me. I don't um, know, but I like he, it. <laughs> he sits at the head table and starts eating sausages and drinks from a flask. Mangled old carve up piece of wood man is very relatable. We learn that he is moody. and is the, the same. <laughs> and is the new data professor.
He's not. They don't have data classes. You know what that means? D A D A. I know. That's what you put. You put data. <laughs> they, have, they have data data like analysis classes at Hogwarts this year. <laughs> anyway, that's right. Quidditch is dead because they're bringing back the Triwizard Tournament. Hogwarts, Bobaton, and Durmstrang. The three largest wizarding schools will compete with one student representing each school. In the past, it was dangerous, honey, but this year they have precautions in place to make sure nobody dies. Sure, Jan. Chef's kiss. I have instincts. <laughs> <laughs> there will be an impartial judge determining who gets picked, and only 17 years and older can participate. Spoiler alert, it's another cup! Why are there so many cups in this book? Fred says he's going to enter no matter what, using age spells. Fred, don't be in such a hurry to die. Oh, too soon. <laughs> Everyone goes back to their common rooms. Hermione gets annoyed at the fire. <laughs> Everybody goes to bed, and it sounds very cozy. As Harry falls asleep, he has a vision of him winning the Triwizard Cup, and they say Harry isn't good at divination. Psh. Spoiler. This... Yeah, there's some, there's a few spoilers in there. Eh, you know, it's like we've read the book before. We'd spoil the shit out of everything. Sure fucking do. Yeah. Welcome to Basic Snitches, guys. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where you've been for the last, what, 80 episodes I know. Or Even while we spoil something, we always have the instinct to be like, spoiler alert. And it's like, no, you guys, you're listening to this. We will, we could, might say anything. We might spoil we the entire thing. Anything. We do say anything. Hey, guess what, Shit guys? out of our mouth. Harry's a horcrux. Oh my god, is that a spoiler? Yes! What? Harry's a horcrux. Oh my god. You know who else is a horcrux? This bitch right here. <laughs> She's <laughs> a right. fucking huge horcrux. You know what they say? Don't be a horcrux, because then you'll get Hogwarts, and then you have a quit itching. That was a terrible joke. No, it wasn't. That was a good joke. Nah. Yes. You you can't tell me that your one line thing was clever and tell me that that joke wasn't clever. Here's why that joke wasn't clever. You've told that joke like three times already. <laughs> Whatever. It's still good. It doesn't matter. I'll always say the good jokes. Good. A good joke is a good joke. It's like a good book is a good book. It doesn't mean that you stop reading it. Reading it? Yeah. That's what we're doing right now. We're reading this book. What happens at the start of this chapter? I don't know. Oh, they walk in the castle. They it's do. all rainy and it's a dark and stormy night. And then Ron's like, oh, Peeves is a thank bitch. God we're in here. And then Peeves is like, <laughs> it's cowabunga, motherfucker. It's kind of great that Ron's like, yes. And Peeves is like, ha, no, bitch. <laughs> that is the exact dialogue in the fucking book. It is. <laughs> so Peeves is the dick. Welcome back to Hogwarts, <laughs> motherfuckers. Sploosh. Sploosh. McGonagall comes over. She's like, you piece of shit, come down here. I'm going to whoop your ass. And he's like, I'm a poltergeist. You can't touch me. Yeah, and she's like, I'm going to get Dumbledore. She should have been like, I'm going to get the bloody Baron. Yeah. I was going to say the Red Baron, but that's... (laughs) (laughs) Snoopy is... The Red Baron. They go into the beautiful Great Hall, and this is like... One of my favorite things about the series, anytime we get to come back and see the Great Hall. And walk into the Great Hall, yeah. They talk about the gold dishes, they talk about the candles, it's just right, very I'm warm. I'm so distracted by Snoopy. I wonder what <laughs> house he was in. What house he I was mean, in? he had to be Gryffindor. The Red Baron, at least, was definitely Gryffindor, yeah. so Snoopy. Snoopy might have been a Hufflepuff. Important thing. Let us know what house yeah. you think Snoopy was Maybe in. Maybe in that one episode that we talked about a few episodes ago, we'll talk about other Peanuts characters. But yeah, really going into the Great Hall and like... Mm. It's their home. It's nice and cozy oh. and warm and everything. The ceiling is enchanted. Mm-hmm. We do get this brief little interaction with Colin Creevy. 
I'm like, oh, Colin. He's so excited about telling Harry he's that his so brother excited. is there. No, but he's a third year now. It's uh, it's weird to think Colin, Colin Creevy is a third, third year. year. But he, yeah, he talks about his little brother, Dennis. Finally, all the first years do come in and they're like drenched. Mm-hmm. And of course, little Dennis Creevy is wrapped up Creevy. in Hagrid's gigantic cloak, which weighs as much as he does. And he also looks so excited and he's like, I fell in the lake. It's so cute. And of course, who came to the rescue? Me. The giant squid. That's right. I pushed that little boy back into the boat. Like, today isn't your day to die, honey. Maybe one day, though. Maybe one day. Maybe one day I'll get you with my tentacles. But not today. You know, the giant squid probably fucking loves storms. The giant squid fucking loves everything. He's loving the storm and he's like, oh, fuck. This is when the kids are coming across the lake. And there's a storm, something bad's gonna happen. And this little boy falls into his lake, and he's like, oh, not today. I'm enjoying this rain. Right? He was like, I I don't want you to die in my fucking home right now, okay? Maybe someday. This is not my, this is not a day that I'm But I just made a Hello Fresh, and I'm not hungry, so. (laughs) I don't wanna deal with your corpse today. Yeah. Get back in that boat. So he comes in, and I do think, for as much as I find Colin to be annoying, I was like, oh, Dennis Creevy. I was like, he's so cute and so innocent. He's so little. I don't know necessarily why I had that re- different reaction, but I was like, oh, this is like very like innocent to me. He's even littler. Like, we're further away from that. In Harry's second year, we're still focused on how cute and adorable the trio are when they're 12. Yeah. You know, and now they're older. Well, also, like, Colin's big thing is his infatuation with Harry. Right. Dennis is just infatuated with the world, which is the same thing that we are, so... Right. I mean, Dennis also gets a little annoying and in Harry's business, too. Yeah. But we're At this moment, though, I think it's fine. I liked him. I was like, that's really cute. I like him, too. The Sorting Hat sings a beautiful song. Okay, but not all the lyrics are beautiful, and I'm mad at the Sorting Hat. Oh, really? So here's my feeling about it. When you go back through it, he talks about the houses twice in the, the Founders. He calls Gryffindor bold, Ravenclaw fair, Hufflepuff sweet, and Slytherin shrewd. And they're all pretty, like, normal descriptions. Then he goes on and he talks about what Gryffindor values. Brave. Ravenclaw values cleverness. Mm-hmm. Hufflepuff. Hard, hard work. workers. But then he fucking is, like, power-hungry Slytherin. Like, Slytherin didn't get to be, like, Slytherin like this. No, he had to call him power-hungry and I'm mad at it. I did not even notice no, that No, it makes me... So this is Harry's second sorting in the series. So he's at his own sorting. He misses the second sorting because... Because of your lover. Because they've been hanging out with my favorite, favorite, the Anglia. My, and, your favorite, favorite. My favorite, favorite. And then last year... Favorite even more than Evan Longbottom? No. And then last so you year... You lied, not your right? favorite, favorite. No, my favorite vehicle, I suppose. But last year he was in, I think he went to the hospital wing. He went to the hospital wing because of the Dementors. So this is his second sorting. So this is our second sorting song that we get to hear because we're obviously with Harry. I want the sorting hat to be like fairer toward Slytherin. We've already established that we're not trying very hard to make these houses feel like they're all on one level. It's like Gryffindors are heroes, these other two fucking houses over here, and then like Slytherin is bad. That's a huge problem with the separation to begin with. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that this one is very like blatantly like... Anti-Slytherin. Anti-Slytherin. Power-hungry Slytherin. And in the same song, this is one where we learn that 
the hat belonged to Godric Gryffindor. Yeah. And I was like, so maybe Godric was like, yeah, well, when fucking Slytherin left, he was my best friend. And then fuck that guy. He put a monster in the school basement. was like, peace out, bitches. It's a very Gryffindory thing. Like a very Godric Gryffindor thing. Maybe. Maybe. For the hat to always be kind of shitting on Slytherin. Didn't we have this same conversation, but in regards to Hufflepuff at one point? I don't remember. I feel like if we did, it was about how Hufflepuff was just kind of forgotten about. Yeah, like, oh, like, they'll accept the rest. Yeah. Makes me wonder about the sorting hat. I think the sorting hat, at the end of the day, probably trying really hard to be fair and everything, but I think that it's definitely Gryffindors. It's more pro-Gryffindor. Yeah. Like, it would be interesting for there to be another song that makes Ravenclaw sound snooty, let's say. Right. I think it, we would be hard-pressed to hear about the Gryffindors being unwieldy, let's say. Right. I mean, I'm not excited because we have a lot of fucking book to get through, but I think in the fifth and sixth book, because we only get four Sorting Hat songs in the yeah. whole series. I think in the fifth and sixth book, I really would like to pay attention. Yeah. I maybe like... they do shit on Ravenclaw and Gryffindor, respectively, but it, it would be interesting to see. I didn't even notice it. Well, because I was looking at, like, the pattern of it. This is where all we these We talk about from. these people. Yeah. And then we give them all an adjective. And then we talk about what they value. And so he doesn't describe Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, or Ravenclaw. He doesn't give them another adjective to describe who they are. But he's like, but Slytherin's fucking power hungry. Calm down, Sorting Hat. Mm-hmm. Slytherin also valued ambition. And ambition is such a beautiful trait. I agree. I am an ambitious person, thus I am a Slytherin. But I've mentioned this in the past that, especially from my 18th century novel class in college, ambition was always seen as like a character flaw. I've never seen it as a character flaw, which is why I've always liked it being attributed to Slytherin because I don't like that Slytherin's just like negative, negative, negative. Yeah. They're power hungry. They think of themselves first. They're blah, 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 this or this or this. You go, ambition means that they're looking for something more. They're working yeah. hard. They, they envision themselves in a different place, a better place in the future. They're striving for something more. Mm-hmm. Whether or not we're going to consider that a negative thing or not in context to what we're trying to say in the book, calling Slytherin power hungry in this spot in the song doesn't even fit. Yeah. It's just like an extra dig at Slytherin. Calm down, Sorting Hat. Personally, I agree. I think ambition is a really good thing. It's not as easy to spin power hungry in a positive direction. That's a direct attack on Salazar Slytherin, not Slytherins in general. If the Sorting Hat's like point of view is simply from when Godric Gryffindor was alive. Well, I know that it says in this song that they all put their like brains in the hat. So yeah. like the hat would know, but he still came from Gryffindor. Yeah. My headcanon is always that Gryffindor's maybe sense of betrayal or being let down by his once best friend that he fucking helped start a school with and his other friends like maybe there's a little bit of that in there like there's a little bit more of god in that hat who knows which is interesting because then you could say you know perhaps uh, there's a pettiness to gryffindor or whatever right. like i mean i think that that's a very possible thing i don't know that i feel like pettiness is probably a value all of the houses hit oh at some point. we got a lot of petty motherfuckers up in this especially book. in this book good yeah. lord yeah. So after he finishes, we see the sorting. Sorry, I had to bitch about the hat. I was mad at him. (laughs) That's okay. That's a great point of view that I did not really see. The sorting goes great. There isn't anything super huge except... um, You have to hear a bunch of names students will never hear again? Yeah, there's the moment when one kid goes to Ravenclaw, and this is when Harry sees Cho Chang. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I wish I was going to that table too, to sit next yeah. to her. And you go, Harry, you would never be in Ravenclaw because you're a fucking idiot. Like, you're the least Ravenclaw yeah. out of anything. I mean, I feel personally attacked because I too am the least Ravenclaw. Uh, I'm not. The second place Ravenclaw. But there is that moment, which is nice because. As we said in the last episode, we get just the small Cho Chang moment in the Hogwarts Express. So this kind of like replaces that. Yeah. Now, I will say, though, the next student goes to Slytherin and Fred and George are like kissing at this kid. And I'm like, we don't need to be like yeah, that. I mean, don't stoop to their level. Then they're like, this kid goes to Hufflepuff. Okay, moving on. No yeah. Shit. The two notable Gryffindors that I remember were, of course, Dennis Creevy. Oh, that's something mm-hmm. else that was kind of interesting to me is that when they talked about Colin and Dennis, someone, it was maybe Ron or Harry, said something like, well, don't siblings usually end up in the same house? But then they're like, Parvati's twin is in Ravenclaw. Yeah. In the movies? They're both in Gryffindor. They're both in Gryffindor. I did not even realize that. Well, you don't pay attention to it as much until you get to this movie. Yeah. That was weird to me. And I mean, obviously we know in the future, Cursed Child... That one of the potters ends up in Slytherin. But we ain't talking about that right now. So that is a little bit noteworthy. So the notable Gryffindor additions are Dennis Creevy and then Natalie something. Oh yeah, Natalie. Natalie Merchant. (laughs) Natalie Imbruglia. Natalie Cole. Natalie Bowers. That's my sister. Natalie Zenshack. McDonald. Oh. Yeah, so we never hear about her again. But also we get the lovely interaction between Ron and nearly headless Nick. Ron's like starving and Nick's like, this is more important than food. He's like, yeah, you're dead. <laughs> uh, I love when Ron gets great one-liners where he's like, fuck you, ghost. I'm, I can fuck still Fuck you, eat. ghost. I still They're want hungry. food. They had to walk through the rain. Right? Like if you went outside, the rain would go right through you. Right. It's a listen. I get it. Your dad, you were murdered very poorly many, many, many years ago. This is a fucking fourteen-year-old boy. He just wants some food. Also, can we talk about how all these kids were like fucking through a downpour? McGonagall, who is one of the most fucking magical people ever, could have just been like dry offo, and everyone oh could have been dry. You always find these opportunities, which is so great. Come yeah. on. Yeah, well, and remember, even before that, they had the whole fiasco in the taxi cabs. So they're scratched up. That was unpleasant. Yeah. And then Ron's got to listen to Malfoy shit on his family. Yeah. And then he's got to get fucking soaking wet. And then Peeves is there. And Mm -hmm. he just wants his fucking dinner. He just wants some spotted dick. (laughs) What is spotted dick? I don't care to know. (laughs) It's some sort of pudding. Is it? She, you look that up. I'm, I'm like talking. You keep talking. So once the food actually is there, speaking of nearly headless Nick, that is when he talks about, hey, you are lucky to have some food to begin with. Peeves was being an asshole in the kitchen. And everyone's like, surprise. Throwing around pots and pans. And this is where he mentions house elves, which throws Hermione off so much that she spills She's her pumpkin like, jelly. I ain't gonna juice. fucking eat anything now. She asks, oh, there's house elves here? I've never seen one. You know, Liz Nick says, well, they're always in the kitchens. That's what they mostly do. Or sometimes they, you know, make sure all the fires are lit in the castle. Something about that thought felt very cozy to me. I don't know why. I can almost imagine, like, the quiet castle and the cute little house elves, even though it is slave labor, going around just making sure all the fires are nice and lit. And she goes into this whole thing about, like, well, they get wages and holiday pay and sick leave and pensions and stuff. It's like, pensions? 
How many children reading this book know what that is? Right. But Nick laughs and is like, they don't care about that. It's this strange point of view thing once again. I don't know why, but it hit me differently coming from Nearly Headless Nick, where he's like, house elves don't care about these things. It made me feel like maybe Hermione really is doing this for no... Not that she's not doing this for no reason. Because I think that her reason is like good and true, but... Maybe it's all for nothing. Well, I feel like it really kind of shows the epicness of the task of trying to change this for the house elves. From Mr. Weasley to a fucking ghost who died hundreds of years ago, everyone is like, no, this is just how it is. They're not supposed to want to be paid. They're not supposed to want this stuff. I think that it just goes to show how much work is to be done. Is it really that they don't care about it? I think that's what it comes down to. Is this something, the way that they're programmed? Because, I mean, seeing how Winky reacted, and I think you touched on it, that she really did care for Barty Crouch Sr. Because then there's Dobby, too, and Dobby obviously accepted the clothes. I mean, it could be based on individual house elves. They're kind of making these blanket statements for this entire race of creatures. Oh, they don't care about this. Well... Clearly, we've met only two so far. Right. And one cares about it and doesn't, but not necessarily. It's more so their loyalty to their master. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm excited to meet more house elves. Mm -hmm. Not creature. Fuck that guy. But like some other ones to just kind of see like how they react. I wonder if it's maybe too much. The choice to embark on this whole like side plot on house elves and their liberation and their rights and everything. I like what we get in the books. I like everything Hermione does. But I just wonder about if it really does anything for the story. You could say that's perhaps why it was cut out of the... Listen, it was cut from the movie because the movie is a terrible adaptation. Yes, there, there is that, but <laughs> that is a little bit of the reason why. I mean, the, the things that happened to Winky at the Quidditch World Cup, on the other hand, is very important. They right. could have maybe cut Hermione's angle towards that, and that might have been a little bit more fair. But it also does show you so much more about Hermione and what type of Well, and I think that that's really a big reason why. And I mean, I love it. I love Hermione's passion for it. It's just one of those things I'm like, this is actually a much bigger thing that you're embarking on in this story than the story has room for. Obviously, I'm glad it's there. And I think that it's really important to show like how Hermione's instantaneous reaction is like, no, this is not okay. Yeah. I will 10,000% stick to my feelings on the fact that she goes about it wrongly, but she's not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because girl, you gotta eat. Right. Girl, you gotta be warm. Well, I mean, and she goes back to it, but the way she handles the whole thing, she's not wrong to try to handle it. She just doesn't have the resources that she needs. Yeah. We'll obviously be coming to that more. Yeah, I think I have more thoughts on it, too, in terms of the way that she approaches it, and, like, the entire respect to House Elves. But, yeah, I don't think that we're quite to that level yet. No. We're still at the beginning stages of it. I think right now it just looks like Hermione is on a kick. Yeah, she's like being. She's a, like a she's still emotionally affected by what happened to Winky at the World Cup, and this is reactionary. I think that you get to this point in the book, you do not expect. You're not surprised when it does happen, but you do not expect it to move that direction. Yeah, totally. It comes up obviously yet again. We do learn more obviously about how things are done at Hogwarts. I want to see what the kitchens look like too. That's something I've always kind of wanted, but. Um, 
After this, Dumbledore gets up on the podium. He's like, I got some announcements. Filch says that there's some things that are banned. Right. And everyone's like, shock, Filch banned 400 more things. He's like, you can go to Filch's office if you want to see the list. And everyone's like, go to Filch's office, my ass. I love how Dumbledore is just like, if you care, fucking go look. Then he says, of course, that the Forbidden Forest is off limits again. Still forbidden. Which is interesting to kind of reiterate, I mm-hmm. think. I don't necessarily think of this book being as integral with that, but I think of the next book. So it might just be a nice through line. Is this the only book where Harry doesn't actually go into the Forbidden Forest? I don't think he does it all in the sixth book. He's near the Forbidden Forest, I think, but also I could be thinking of the movie. Pretty sure he doesn't go into the Forbidden Forest in this book. I personally don't think so. I think of times when he goes to like spy on the dragons. Yeah. But he's with Hagrid. Right. And I mean, in the last book, well, obviously he was there in the last book with everything. He he may have gone in the last book to the Forbidden Forest. Yeah. Well, I also think of that scene where Lupin and him are just taking a stroll through the woods. Right. That's the movie, of course. But and then, of course, the next thing is Quidditch is canceled. And Harry is like, shocked. I know. Everyone's like, what the fuck? And it's actually like such a visceral and honest reaction from Harry. And Double Door is like, let me tell you why. And that's when, boom, the doors open and crunchy old tree stump man walks through. Crunchy old tree stump man. Because that is how he is fucking described. You think of, like, the actor in his spooky eyeball? He's so good, though. He is. He's great. Can you imagine if he was actually like he's described in here? It's scary. Yeah. He's got all these scars. How they talk about his mouth being like a gash in his face. He's great. But he's not nearly scary enough. No. I, I mean, again, if they were to actually make it that scary, mainstream audiences, etc. Like, even the eye in the movie, I think, darts around a little bit more playfully. But when mm-hmm. they talk about the eye, like, going backwards and all you see is white, like, right. that's pretty terrifying, too. Uncomfortable. And so he just, like, walks right in and Dumbledore is like, this Moody, he's your new data professor. Data. <laughs> data analyst. Data. He goes up, he takes his knife out, he stabs sausage, starts eating it. Right? He's so fucking feral. Feral! That's like the perfect fucking (laughs) word for him. I love Moody. I think he's one of the most interesting characters. And obviously, um, spoiler, this actually isn't Mad-Eye Moody. Which Mm -hmm. is even more fascinating because like when you get to know Moody, you're like, this fucker is good. Yeah. He is smart, he's fierce, that just shows you how good Barty Crouch Jr. Yeah. You know. I also thought throughout this, especially with his description, let's say it was anybody else. Let's say it was Quirrell. Like, putting on a Quirrell disguise is a much easier thing to do, perhaps. Putting on an Umbridge disguise is perhaps an easier task. If it, like, I'm just thinking of, like, right. all the or, other guys. Um, Lockhart, perhaps. Idiot face, yeah, Lockhart. Lockshart. Lockshart. This guy, you needed a Polyjuice potion yeah. to look like him. And you needed to be good and yeah. smart. And obviously Barty Crouch is the smartest Death Eater out of all of his followers. Smarter than Bellatrix, smarter than Lucius, probably smarter than Voldemort. I feel like Barty Crouch probably could have maybe gone solo on the evil. <laughs> maybe 
It's so interesting because, again, we're talking about the movie, but there's so many, like, crossovers here, and it's good to bring up these details. In the movie, Barty Crouch Jr. is displayed as such an idiot, I think. Like, anytime you see him with a little tongue dart and the way that... Well, like, they it, did that, I think, off. just... I think that they were, like, laying it on thick, like, oh, you're supposed to be able to get this. Yeah. Which... Throwing David Tennant into the actual movie, the first few chapters when he isn't there isn't enough. They have to give him a tick. This is... This is literally one of the coolest turns in the series where mm-hmm. you're like, Harry survived Voldemort and you still got like four chapters left. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. Oh my God, Moody is not Moody. He's yeah. this guy who we all thought was dead. Holy fuck. And the movie is like, oh, two Here minutes of the movie. Here he is hanging out with Skinny Dick and Voldy's whatever Old penis. He is. What was his name? Wrinkly Penis? Oh, I don't remember. Whatever. They're both dicks. There is no way that you can guess this shit. I was going to say that You can guess that Lupin's a werewolf. You can guess that there's some Voldemorty shit going on with Tom Riddle. You can guess. And Quirrell. And Quirrell. Like, you can guess that shit if you're really paying attention. I agree. I don't think that that's the point. This... There's no way you're coming up yeah. with this. And they're like making the movie. They're like, David Dennett's in the first scene. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. With everything that happened so far regarding this whole twist, you would never be able to know that Barty Crouch Jr. is there during the Quidditch World Cup. They mentioned Moody with Amos's head in the fire in the last chapter, but it seems like such a passive thing. It doesn't seem at all connected to this. And because he is so <clears throat> feral, like you said, it matches so well. Weirdo, you're like, that's just who he is. Yeah. When he announces him, you know, Dumbledore and Hagrid clap for him, but no one else does. Everyone and he's else like, is like, the fuck? And he doesn't even care. He doesn't pay attention or anything. No. And it like goes away faster than it even came up. I just want these fucking sausages. Yeah. But they don't even acknowledge it. Like after they're like, oh, this is Moody. Back to what I was saying. Yeah. Come here. Oh, hello. What's up? Is that so? Yeah. You know, oh. What's going on? Okay. So Dumbledore then goes back into his whole spiel about, we got the tribe as a cop. Fred is like, are you fucking kidding me? And Dumbledore's like, no, I'm not fucking kidding you, Fred. (laughs) We're bringing it back. We thought it was about time. Stopped it for a while because people died. Guess what, guys? We have precautions. Ain't nobody going to die. Guess what? Someone dies. Spoiler. Yeah. A couple people die, but in direct correlation of this. Most importantly, someone dies that enters into the competition. It's kind of funny that they bring it up right now when they just introduced Moody. That sort of tongue-in-cheek thing, maybe. Mm-hmm. They explain that. They say, rules are changed, though. Only students over 17 are allowed to do it because these are very arduous tasks that only people of a certain level would be able to do. Dumbledore's line about that is, the school's took turns to host the tournament once every five years, and it is generally agreed to be a most excellent way of establishing ties between young witches and wizards in different na- nationalities. Until, that is, the death toll mounted so high, the tournament was discontinued. Hermione's like, death toll? The fuck? It makes me think the, the death toll mounted said. so high, like, every student who entered the tournament died, or other people died? Uh, that's what I almost thought from like, reading spectators that. spectators died? Let's say that the first task was dragons at one point, too. Like, did a dragon just, like, torch a whole bunch of people? Well, uh, then, now I'm, like, concerned. Like, obviously we know that they don't. But there are four fucking dragons just hanging out. The only actual event that people can watch during this Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. Seriously. Otherwise, they're staring at a lake or they're staring at a maze. Look at a lake. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's a Puffs reference for all you basic hoes out there. I thought that maybe it was just like more people died than they even expected to who hadn't entered the tournament. Even after Dumbledore says that about the age thing, Fred is like, I'm still going to do it. I'm going to figure out a way to get up in there. Even before he announces that it's going to be an age thing. The twins are like, whatever, we're still doing this. Well, no, like one of them is like, I think it's Fred. Because uh, he's like I the think. main one. He's like dreaming about the glory that he's going to get in the 100,000 galleons or whatever it was. After he says that, he's still just like, whatever, I'm still going to do it. I got this. Later even, he's like, so Ron, once I figure it out, are you going to enter too? It's so like matter of fact and like frank, I feel like, in the book. They really don't have a reason to think that this could be something so dangerous. Even though Dumbledore is saying people died, they're like, well, now all these safety measures are in check and we're only letting the students who are of age. It's a contest. It's a competition. It's not a thing that should be dangerous where people could possibly die. So why wouldn't Ron want to, you know? Mm -hmm. Even Harry, at the end of the chapter, he like falls asleep dreaming about being the champion and winning the cup and everything. The interesting thing about that whole thing for me is how instantly they are like, well, we're going to go ahead and enter into this thing already. Oh, Dumbledore knows how old you're, you are. Yeah, but it's like an impartial judge is what he keeps saying. He never mm-hmm. mentions the Goblet of Fire. And he's like, well, it's an impartial judge. So what are they going to do? They're so matter of fact about it. But then what happens when an underage student actually gets his name put in there and is chosen and then the reaction off of that, it's not matter of fact at all anymore. No. Other than the fact that Harry falls asleep having this dream. I don't think it's apparent at all that he is, like, interested in, in doing No, this. I think that that's just, like, the natural reaction, I think. And yeah. They're talking about it to Neville while they're walking to the dorm. Right, right. And, and they're like, he's like, oh, I, I feel like my grandma would want me to if I could figure out how to do it. Like, it's just, like, it's a thing that I think kids are probably... They aspire to. Yeah. They're like, well, I'd be expected to do something that would make people proud of me. Yeah. Well, and I even think, like, if they now continue to do this every five years, anyone from, like, year three on wouldn't be able to do it anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. if they did it five years from now, first and second years would be able to actually participate. So they would be missing out on it, maybe. That's neither here nor there. But then they go up into their dormitories. They have that dream moment. And like I said in my thing, I just like how that ends because it's another, like, insight into predicting things for Harry. Yeah. The only way that the Triwizard Tournament and Harry being a champion of the Triwizard Tournament is a happy thing. It's when he has a nice little dream about it. Yeah. Pressing chill. Sorry, bitch. It ain't going that way. We're going to fuck, marry, and kill two things today. Let's do it. First one. Screaming yo-yos, fanged frisbees, and ever-bashing boomerangs. Those are the three new things that were explained that Filch is... I think fanged frisbees sound terrifying, so they have to die. Whoa, that was fast. She didn't let me finish. That's no, fair. No, those are the things that Filch is banning on top of 400 of the things. Yeah. I think I'm going to fuck the yo-yo and marry the boomerang. Why are you going to fuck the yo-yo? I had to choose something and the boomerang keeps coming back. It's ever-bashing. Ever bashing. It's fine. You want to hit the, you're fucking the boomerang? No, oh, you're marrying the boomerang. I was going to make a joke about it, that thing, ever bashing your ass. <laughs> I am going to marry the screaming yo yos. The reason why I'm marrying that is it seems like the least harmful. <laughs> it's annoying, yes, but it's definitely the least harmful. That's fair. Fanged frisbees, I think I'm going to fuck. 
only because, yes, they're fanged, but just because they're fanged doesn't mean they're violent. That's true. Whereas the ever-bashing boomerang, that, that thing is going to come they back. They sound abusive. Gonna, yes, so I'm going to kill that. So that's number one. Okay. Number two are through the three desserts that Ron mentions. Oh, what are they again? Treacle tart, chocolate gato, and spotted dick. Okay, so spotted dick is like a bundt cake with fruit in it. That does sound kind of gross, but you're gonna fuck that one, right? Because it has dick in the name. Oh yeah, I'm gonna fuck the spotted dick. <laughs> I'm gonna kill the treacle tart. Always picking the thing that is the most phallic. And I'm gonna marry the chocolate thing. Chocolate gato? Yeah. I'm also marrying the chocolate gato. That sounds awesome. Gato means cake in French. Okay. So it's chocolate cake. Very few words in French. Y'all know I'm a pie person, but treacle tart, I'm fucking a treacle tart. Because I like pie, but chocolate cake versus treacle. I'm not a big fan of the whole treacle, syrupy, blah, blah, blah. That yeah. sounds kind of gross to me. So I'm, I'm fucking the treacle tart because it's a pie. I'm marrying the chocolate gato because that sounds lovely. And I'm killing the spotted dick. That sounds like herpes to me. I don't actually know what treacle tart is, so that's why I killed it's it. It's like, so treacle is like that syrupy, like sugary okay. substance. I am not a huge fan of it. Oh, it's in a pie, so. Oh, if it's in a pie. Then and it's not herpes. If it's in a pie, then yeah, I'm fucking that too. Then I'm a kill so spot a dick. Because uh, if it's a pie. It's just... a tart. Oh, yeah, you're right. But listen, always gonna marry chocolate cake. Yeah, see, like, if it were like cherry pie. Oh, are you kidding me? Kill the other two, I'm my fucking and marrying the cherry pie. Just like everything dies but cherry pie. That's right. That's my favorite food, period. In this case, because they don't like treacle, chocolate cake takes the precedence. Even if Spotted Dick was something very delicious and stuff, its name is Spotted Dick, and that throws yeah, me it off. Yeah, it said it has like dried fruit in it, usually raisins, and I'm like, well, fuck that. Oh, Gross. yeah. We had a whole conversation about raisins earlier and how you don't like them. It's fine, I didn't get my bomba anyway where I oh. wouldn't where I got raisins in my taco. Yes, rest in peace, Bamba. I hope that fucking Grubhub driver gets fired. Let's talk about movie. Really the only thing from this chapter that's from the movie is meeting Mad Eye Moody. We do get a little bit of Dumbledore being Talking like, about the we got the Triwizard Tournament. Tournament, but this is where things get really mixed up. It's not as easy to say, oh, this happens in the last chapter, or the next chapter happens here. I feel like it is completely like chopped up in a fucking weird way. Sure is. Because obviously we don't get the Choa moment that already happened, for example. Yeah. There's obviously no house elf conversation. That doesn't happen. The whole entrance thing with Mad-Eye Moody, I think, is a little bit more natural because it's not like he like comes right in and interrupts. He does kind of like poke his head out from the back. Actually, well, I guess technically this is something that would be in like a future chapter too. Right before like everybody walks in, the other schools, because that happens right here. Yeah. Filch runs down the corridor and runs back. And I'm like... We're like, the fuck is Filch doing here? That's what you decided to take some time on? Instead of like introducing so something else important into the actual so weird. book? That was completely unnecessary. The other unnecessary thing is, like, Moody comes out, the sky starts getting, like, really dark and gloomy and stuff, so he takes his wand out and zaps it and it goes back to normal. It's like, stupid ceiling or whatever. Yeah, also, that's the thing. It's a ceiling. It's bewitched to look like the sky. It ain't nothing wrong happening. Right, and it's storming outside. It's so 
I almost wonder if it was the director's thought to be like, oh, the Dark Mark is going to appear because it's this motherfucker in disguise. So he zaps it to stop. This is just a guess because you're looking at me weird. But well, I, No, because I'm still confused as to why they did that. Yeah, so. maybe that's what it was. But you have to actually conjure it as you showed it in a few like scenes prior. Mm-hmm. So why even ha- just like have him come out like they did in the book from the back and be like, oh, yeah, this bitch is here now. Make him chew on a sausage. No, we have to watch him very suspiciously drink out of a flask. Yeah. Again, they do mention it in the book, but they mention it alongside of all of his his other traits, I think. So it doesn't come off as like a big thing. But here, oh, I'm going to zap the seal and now I'm going to drink my flask. This is where Dean is like an aurer because that's where they recognize it's moody. Oh, it's an aurer. Like... Okay. It's kind of amazing that three professors have not taught them this Right, so you in your fourth year. Like, I know that you were raised by a muggle. I guess, at the very least, the teachers that they had in the past, the only one that was worth anything was Lupin. He had to, like, make up for two other years so he didn't get to the horror chapter or whatever. Yeah, they spend more time on special effects, for sure, because the Bobaton girls, they come in with their birds. The... Well, we'll talk about that later when the Bobaton girls come in. Yeah, but the movie happens now. You yeah. Know? That's, so this is where they decide to bring these people in. Yeah. It's, we got the Durmstrang motherfuckers with their magic sticks and their fire and back lips and everything. Which, I'm sorry, the Bobaton girls got shafted. They come in, they do this fucking weird dance. Right. And like birds come out, they hands. And then Durmstrang come in, they're flipping and breathing fire. That doesn't make them seem even. No, right? But something I said to you too is like, if this was at like Durmstrang or at Bobaton instead of Hogwarts this year, what would the Hogwarts kids do when they walk down the aisle? That remains to be seen. They would just walk down and Wingardium Leviosa? I don't even know what they would do. Because they don't do anything in the books, you know? Yeah. Like they just were welcoming new kids to the school, but this fucking movie. I wonder if like, obviously this is stupid, but... I can almost see they're at their goal and Maddox and Maxine being like, we need to come in and we need to do a show to make them think that we are very good at the things. And they're like, let's make birds appear. And then fucking Durmstrang does the same thing and he's like, we're going to make fire come out of sticks. <laughs> and they blow the fucking Bobaton bitches out of the water. Also, of course, I mean, again, this isn't actually in the book. They do talk about in the book how, like, they're only bringing the people that they already determined would be candidates for this. So it's not like their full student body. And they're then, bringing probably their, like, best their class. Of the best. Well, their 17-year-olds. Yeah. But then, of course, the other big thing with this is it's only boys from Durmstrang and only girls from Bogotan. Well, in the which, movie. In the movie, yeah. So, yeah, the movie sucks once again. I think. They focus on the wrong things. (laughs) Moody's great. The actor who plays Moody. This is another one of those moments Um, where it's the actor portraying Moody portraying Barty Crouch Jr. portraying Moody. Yeah, it's really some great stuff there. It's a nice layered thing that is very similar to the whole Bellatrix and Hermione thing. Or even like the Snape Boggart Neville's grandma thing. And... So right. that, that's kind of clever, but but that's on the actor, not on the fucking people who made the movie. Come on. It's yeah. a rough movie. Also the hair. God, the hair. The hair. Everyone's hair in this movie. Oh yeah, everyone needs a haircut. Jesus. Jesus. 
Okay, once again, I don't have a lot of points. Okay. So there's a lot happening here, but a lot of this, I think, is more just exposition. It's setting up what's happening. So I don't necessarily feel like any of the main characters are doing anything particularly, like, point-worthy. So I am giving 10 to the giant squid. Yeah, giant squid. Slash me. Because he saves Dennis Creevy. I'm giving five to Dennis Creevy because I think he's very cute and innocent. I'm giving five to the sorting hat. I mean, you did. He writes a great song. He's just kind of a does, and that's kind of his thing. Like this is what he's been waiting for. It's a good song. But you did make a good point. I'm not taking those points away. I'm like, well, sorting hat. Sure, here you go. I mean, he hasn't seen light for a year. Yeah. This is his whole thing. This is the only time that he gets to come out and do something. I'm also giving five to Nearly Headless Nick because this whole chapter, I had this feeling of him being kind of like a chaperone and almost like overseeing the Gryffindors. I really appreciate that take on Nick. Yeah. Like, we don't often see the ghosts as that. And one of my fuck Mary kills was actually going to be three of the ghosts. I'm um, sure we'll get the, an opportunity. Yeah, well, that'll happen some other time. There were other better opportunities this time. <clears throat> I don't know. There was something about Nearly Headless Nick in this particular chapter that I enjoyed from that point of view. So five to him. And the only person who loses points is Peeves. Negative ten to Peeves because he was a bitch in the kitchen and then he was like, I got water balloons. Peeves is terrible. So plus ten, Giant Squid. Plus five to Nearly Headless Nick, Dennis Creepy, and the Sorting Hat. And negative ten to Peeves. The only human, like living human, that got points was Dennis Creepy. This... Oh, Dennis. That's it! That's it. Next time, do you know what chapter we're going to be reading? Yeah, it's uh, called the fucking Bobaton's Durmstrang or something. No, chapter 13, Mad-Eye Moody. Oh, it's Mad-Eye Moody. Or I was even thinking maybe it was Goblet of Fire. No, we literally have a couple chapters before we get to Oh, they're like, hey, this thing is happening, but we're not going to give you the details of it. So it's like classroom time. Yeah. We got to meet our data professor. That data analyst is the new hot class that everyone's taking. It's time for some Mad-Eye Moody. They don't even know what the word data or analyst means, but they're taking this class. Finally, they're going to learn some math. Right? Oh my God, they could stand to learn some math. So that's going to happen. So next time, Tune join in. us for that. But until some then... real useful knowledge, math. Oh my God, maybe they will get to learn Excel. That is a good skill to have. Excel is a great skill. I love Excel. Me too. Y'all know. We nerds. Especially yes. that one. But I am also a lover of Excel. Excel is wonderful. Sponsor so, us! Bye! bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice, and be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Aloha, Mora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.